Chapter Thirteen of Gunman's Reckoning by Max Brand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. First, his glance plunged into vacancy. Then it flicked over his shoulder at Nelly LeBron, and he bit his lip. Plainly, it was not the most welcome news that Jack Landis had ever heard. Where is she? He asked nervously of Donnegan, and he looked over the ragged fellow again. I'll take you to her. The big man swayed back and forth from foot to foot, balancing in his hesitation. Wait a moment. He strode to Nelly Lebron and bent over her. Donnegan saw her eyes flash up. Oh, heart of the South, what eyes of shadow and fire! Jack Landis trembled under the glance. Yes, he was deeply in love with the girl. And Donnegan watched her face shade with suspicion stiffen with cold anger, warm and soften again, under the explanations of Jack Landis. Donnegan, looking from the distance, could read everything, in its nearness that bewitches a man when he talks to a woman. When Odysseus talked to Circe, no doubt he stood on the farther side of the room. When Landis came again, he was perspiring from the trial of fire through which he had just passed. Come, he ordered, and set out at a sweeping stride. Plainly, he was anxious to get this matter done with as soon as possible. As for Donnegan, he saw a man whom Landis had summoned to take his place sit down at the table with Nellie Lebron. She was laughing with the newcomer as though nothing troubled her at all. But over his shoulder her glance probed the distance and followed Jack Landis. She wanted to see the messenger again, the man who had called her companion away. But in this it was a fox challenging fox. Donnegan took note and was careful to place between him and the girl every pillar and every group of people. As far as he was concerned, her first glance must do to read and judge and remember him by. Outside Landis shot several questions at him in swift succession. He wanted to know how the girl happened to make the trip, above all, what the colonel was thinking and doing, and if the colonel himself had come. But Donnegan replied with monosyllables, and Landis, apparently reconciling himself to the fact that the messenger was a fool, ceased his questions. They kept close to a run all the way out of the camp and up the hillside to the two detached tents where Donnegan and the girl slept that night. A lantern burned in both the tents. "'She has made things ready for me,' thought Donnegan, his heart opening. "'She has kept house for me.' He pointed out Lou's tent to his companion, and the big man, with a single low word of warning, threw open the flap of the tent and strode in. There was only the split part of a second between the rising and the fall of the canvas, but in that swift interval... Donnegan saw the girls starting up to receive Landis. Her calm was broken at last. Her cheeks were flushed. Her eyes were starry with what? Expectancy? Love? It stopped Donnegan like a blow in the face and turned his heart to lead. And then, shamelessly, he glided around the tent and dropped down beside it to eavesdrop. After all, there was some excuse... If she loved the man, he, Donnegan, would let him live. If she did not love him, he, Donnegan, 
would kill him like a worthless rat under heel. That is, if he could. No wonder that the wanderer listened with heart and soul. He missed the first greeting. It was only a jumble of exclamations. But now he heard, But Lou, what a wild idea! Across the mountains? With whom? The man who brought you here. Who is he? I don't know. You don't know? He looks like a shifty little rat to me. He's big enough, Jack. Such small praise was enough to set Donnegan's heart thumping. Besides, father told me to go with him, to trust him. Ah, there was an abrupt chilling and lowering of Landis's voice. The colonel knows him? He's one of the colonel's men? Plainly the colonel was to him as the rod to the child. Why didn't you come directly to me? We thought it would be better not to. Hmm, your guide. Well, what was the colonel's idea in sending you here? Heavens above, doesn't he know that a mining camp is no place for a young girl, and you haven't a sign of a chaperone? Lou, what the devil can I do? What was in his mind? You haven't written for a long time. Good Lord, written? Letters? Does he think I have time for letters? The lie came smoothly enough. Working day and night? Donnegan smoothed his whiskers and grinned into the night. Landis might prove better game than he had anticipated. He worried, said the girl, and her voice was as even as ever. He worried and sent me to find out if anything is wrong. Then, nonsense, what is there to worry about? Lou, I'm half inclined to think that the colonel doesn't trust me. She did not answer. Was she reading beneath the boisterous assurance of Landis? One thing is clear to me, and to you too, I hope. The first thing is to send you back in a hurry. Still no answer. Lou, do you distrust me? At length she managed to speak, but it was with some difficulty. There is another reason for sending me. Tell me. Can't you guess, Jack? I'm not a mind-reader. The cad, said Donnegan through his teeth. It's the old reason. Money? Yes. A shadow swept across the side of the tent. It was Landis waving his arm carelessly. If that's all, I can fix you up and send you back with enough to carry the colonel along. Look here. Why, I have five hundred with me. Take it, Lou. There's more behind it. But the colonel mustn't think that there's as much money in the mines as people say. No idea how much living costs up here. Heavens no, and the price of labor. And they'll shirk the job from dawn to dark. I have to watch him every minute, I tell you. He sighed noisily. But the end of it is, dear, how that small word tore into the heart of Donnegan, who crouched outside, that you must go back tomorrow morning. I'd send you tonight if I could. As a matter of fact, I don't trust the red-haired rat who... The girl interrupted, while Donnegan still had control of his hair-trigger temper. You forget, Jack. Father sent me here, but he did not tell me to come back. At this, Jack Landis burst into an enormous laughter. You don't mean, Lou, that you actually intend to stay on? What else can I mean? Of course, it makes it awkward if the colonel didn't expressly tell you just what to do. I suppose he left it to my discretion, 
and I decide definitely that you must go back at once. I can't do it. Lou, don't you hear me saying that I'll take the responsibility? If your father blames you, let him tell me. He broke down in the middle of his sentence, and another of those uncomfortable little pauses ensued. Donnegan knew that their eyes were miserably upon each other, the man tongue-tied by his guilt, the girl wretchedly guessing at the things which lay behind her fiancé's words. "'I'm sorry you don't want me here. It isn't that, but—' He apparently expected to be interrupted, but she waited coolly for him to finish the sentence, and of course he could not. After all, for a helpless girl— she had a devilish effective way of muzzling Landis. Donnegan chuckled softly in admiration. All at once she broke through the scene. Her voice did not rise or harden, but it was filled with finality, as though she were weary of the interview. I'm tired out. It's been a hard ride, Jack. You go home now and look me up again any time tomorrow. I, Lou, I feel mighty bad about having you up here in this infernal tent when the camp is full and you can't lie across the entrance to my tent and guard me jack besides i don't need you for that the man who's with me will protect me he doesn't look capable of protecting a cat my father said that in any circumstances he would be able to take care of me this reply seemed to overwhelm landis the colonel trusts him as far as all that he muttered then i suppose you're safe enough but what about comfort, Lou? I've done without comfort all my life. Run along, Jack, and take this money with you. I can't have it. But didn't the Colonel send? You can express it through to him. To me, it's not pleasant to take it. Why, Lou, you don't mean... Good night, Jack. I don't mean anything except that I'm tired. The shadow swept along the wall of the tent again. Donnegan, with a shaking pulse, saw the profile of the girl and the man approach as he strove to take her in his arms and kiss her good night, and then one slender bar of shadow checked Landis. Not tonight. Lou, you aren't angry with me. No, but you know I have queer ways. Just put this down as one of them. I can't explain. There was a muffled exclamation, and Landis went from the tent and strode down the hill. He was instantly lost in the night. But Donnegan, turning to the entrance flap, called softly. He was bidden to come in, and when he raised the flap, he saw her sitting, with her hands clasped loosely and resting upon her knees. Her lips were a little parted and colorless. Her eyes were dull with a mist, and though she rallied herself a little, the wanderer could see that she was only half aware of him. The face which he saw was a milestone in his life for he had loved her jealously, fiercely before. But seeing her now, dazed, hurt, and uncomplaining, tenderness came into Donnegan. It spread to his heart with a strange pain and made his hands tremble. All that he said was, Is there anything you need? Nothing, she replied, and he backed out and away. But in that small interval, he had turned out of the course of his gay, selfish life. If Jack Landis had hurt her like this, if she loved him so truly, then Jack Landis she should have. 
There was an odd mixture of emotions in Donnegan, but he felt most nearly like the poor man from whose hand his daughter tugs back and looks wistfully, hopelessly, into the bright window at all the toys. What pain is there greater than the pain that comes to the poor man in such a time? He huddles his coat about him, for his heart is as cold as a Christmas day, and if it would make his child happy, he would pour out his heart's blood on the snow. Such was the grief of Donnegan as he backed slowly out into the night. Though Jack Landis were fixed as high as the moon, he would tear him out of his place and give him to the girl. End of chapter 13